So this is week three of extravagant generosity, a stewardship extravaganza. So as we're looking through the Bible and uh, during this Christmas season, we're experiencing uh, different songs of the Christmas season and looking at those for some history behind those and getting some principles that God would give us to live by during this season. And we've looking at uh, taken and looked at a couple different ones so far. The little drummer boy last week was an encouraging sermon. And uh, a girl from Vanceburg Church, uh, when we got home, she emailed me the uh, uh, gift uh, survey that you could look online and take. Uh, I put that on the ch church's Facebook page, and we had multiple, multiple people in Bethesda that went on and uh, filled out that survey and found out their gift and their calling and uh, sent those back and emailed those back to the church's email. And we're excited to put all those in, in a grouping and next year apply some of those uh, giftings that you found out you had. And we want to resource you with a way to utilize those and use those for the kingdom of God and to do God's work here on this earth. This is week three, and our series is taken from uh, the gospel or the epistle to Timothy from the Apostle Paul, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 17. It says, Command those who are rich in this world's goods not to be haughty or set their hope on riches, which are uncertain, but on God who richly provides us with all things for our enjoyment. You're supposed to be enjoying some things. Tell them to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous givers, sharing with others. In this way, they will save up a treasure for themselves as a firm foundation for the future and so lay a hold of what is truly life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We're grateful in our hearts for what you're doing in our life. We're grateful for this season that we can celebrate the birth of your son, Jesus, and the freedom that he brought us. God, we just pray today that you'd open our hearts, open our minds, let us receive of your word today and let us apply these principles to our life and let us live out your words here on this earth to build your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody says, Amen. Amen. The scriptures are full of lessons about stewardship. The entire Bible uh, points to that. And in this series, we're learning how to be stewards of what God has given us. And, and oftentimes here at Bethesda, we constantly say at our church that that there's three different ways that you can steward things in your life. It's your time, your talents, and your treasures. So when we talk about stewardship, a lot of times automatically comes to your, uh, people's minds that, well, they're going to talk about money. Stewarding is not only about money. There's other areas of your life that you need to steward or to manage or to take care of. And as we think about those, your time. So I heard a preacher a few years ago in a sermon talk about how to steward time. And when we talk about giving money in the church, uh, we know the principle all through the Bible talks about tithing, and that's 10% of your, of your income that you give back to God's kingdom. It's all through the Old Testament, New Testament, it's everywhere. And when we hear about that tithing, we think of money always. But also this preacher said, what if you would tithe your time? So if there's 24 hours in a day, what if you would tithe two point whatever hours to equal tenth of your time that day? What if everybody in the church or everybody that is a Christian that's given their life to Jesus, what if they gave God two hours of their time to do what he's called them to do? Imagine what kind of world would we be living in if we would do that. 
and how that time is important and time gets away from us and time keeps on ticking, ticking into the future. Right? Time keeps on going. It just goes on. You can't stop it. It's, it's, this Leslie got me this fancy Apple Watch, and the only thing I can use it for is a watch. It's smarter than that, but I, I, this is my Christmas present. Isn't it glorious? It's glorious. But it's, all I can do is keep time, barely, and, and time just keeps going. I can't stop it. it. It just keeps going. And How many feels like time is rushing this season? Amen, that time is getting away pretty fast, and, and Christmas is already here, and Greg's uh, counting down, and he starts counting down at uh, December 26th usually, starts counting down towards the next one, and it's getting close, and it's come by so fast that Christmas is here again, and I seen word last night that they set the world record up there for the number of gifts uh, wrapped all in in Portsmouth last night, how awesome that, the town right nearby us here at Kentucky Heights, the uh, next town up the street, has the world record on the number of people wrapping gifts. That's amazing. But what if we would steward our time, and what if we would steward our <coughs> talents, the gifts that God gave us? And, and last week when we talked about the little drummer boy and how, how that you got a gift of drumming, then use that gift for the kingdom of God. And, and how that, what if we would steward those gifts really well that God has given us? And what if we steward our resources too? And, and this series is based around that. And, and I'm grateful that God uh, opens our eyes to see these things so that we can think about them, ponder about them, and then apply them and do something with it. So I want you to uh, contemplate that throughout the next week, uh, just about what you're doing with God's gift of time to you, what he's gifted you with that, what you're doing with the gift he's given you, and what he's done in giving you the resources that you have, and how are you stewarding those. But I want us to think outside the box in this sermon series, and we've looked at these different songs and, and to try to get a backdrop of a, of a Christmas song and, and to look at it uh, at a way where that we can get a principle out of it that we can apply throughout this next week of our life. And uh, Leslie sang our song for the week a few moments ago. Well, actually, Dusty did, and Leslie sang harmony. Mama sang bass, daddy sang tenor, me and little brother joined right in there. Well, the song was Silent Night. And Dusty did an awesome job at singing that, Silent Night. And I'm glad that Leslie gave him an opportunity to sing, uh, just to get a different approach sometimes from our worship service. And the song Silent Night is an amazing song. So as always, throughout this past sermon series, I've been looking up uh, the backdrop and the backstory to songs on Google because Google has all the answers, right? The, the Internet's where to get it. You, that's where you go to get your information now. You used to go to encyclopedias. Now you go to, to, the, to the Google. I love how old people say that. You go to Google. Go to the Google. They don't even know what it is, but they know it's out there. You go to the Google, get your answers. So this story that I'm going to read you is, is an article about uh, the song Silent Night. In 1818, a roving band of actors was performing in towns throughout the Australian Alps. On December the 23rd, they arrived at Almendorf, a village near Salzburg, where they were to reenact re re the story of Christ's birth in, in a small church in St. Nicholas. Unfortunately, the St. Nicholas church organ wasn't working and would not be repaired before Christmas. Note, some versions of this story point to the mice being the problem. Others say Russ was the culprit. 
Because the church organ was out of commission, the actors presented their Christmas drama in a private home. That Christmas presentation of the events in the first chapters of Matthew and Luke put Assistant Pastor Joseph Moore in a meditative mood. Everybody say meditative mood. You all sound gloomy and doomy. I said meditative mood. That's a little more energetic. I'll do it one more time and be thoughtful about it. How about meditative mood? Everybody say it. That's a little more joyful. Angels, we have heard. Okay, the longer the path, I see here. That Christmas presentation events, the first chapter of Matthew, Luke, Pastor Moore in a meditative mood. Instead of walking straight to his house that night, Moore looked, took a longer way home. The longer path took him up over a hill overlooking the village. From that hilltop, Moore looked down on the peaceful, snow-covered village. Revealing in majestic silence of the wintry night, Moore gazed down at the Christmas card-like scene. His thoughts about Christmas play he had just seen made him remember a poem that he'd written a couple years before. That poem was about the night when the angels announced the birth of the long-awaited Messiah to the shepherds on a hillside. Moore decided those words might Make a good carol for his congregation the following evening at their Christmas Eve service. Everybody ready for Christmas Eve next weekend? It's going to be evening service. It's going to be awesome. We love Christmas Eve Eve service. It's Christmas Eve 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 this year, two, three days before. But it's going to be Sunday night, 6 p.m. Kids are going to get up. It's going to be good because we've got church mice here. and well, Not really, hopefully, but it'll be good. The one poem was that didn't have any music to it, which the poem could be sung. So the next day, Moore went to see the church organist, Franz Goober. How would you like to have that name? There's a lot of Goobers in here. Why don't you look at your name and say, you look like a Goober. <laughs> Goober only had a few hours to come up with a melody, which would be sung with the guitar. However, by that evening, Goober had managed to compose a musical setting for the poem. It no longer mattered to Moore and Goober that their church organ was inoperable. Now they had a Christmas carol that could be sung without the organ. On Christmas Eve, the little Ormdolf Church congregation heard Goober and Moore sing their new composition to the Greg, help me with that word again. I can't do it. A accompaniment of the guitar. So they didn't have an organ, but they had a guitar. So this guy, the organ leader, he, he sat down with his guitar and they sung this song. Weeks later, well-known organ builder, Mr. Moocher, Something like that. That's what it looks like. M-A-U-R-A-C-H-E-R. -E Moocher. There's a lot of moochers around here, too. <laughs> Arrived in Oregon off to fix the organ at St. Nicholas Church. When Moocher finished, he stepped back and told Goober to test the instrument. When Goober sat down, his fingers began playing the simple melody that he'd written for Moore's Christmas poem. Deeply impressed, Moocher took copies of the music and the words Silent Night back to his own Alpine village. Their two well-known families of singers, the Rainers and the Stracers, heard it. Captivated by Silent Night, both groups put the new song in their Christmas season repertoire. The Stracer sisters spread the carol across northern Europe. In 1884, or 1834, they performed Silent Night for King Frederick William IV of Prussia. He liked it so much that he ordered his cathedral choir to sing it every Christmas Eve. Twenty years later, after Silent Night was written, 
The Rainers brought the song to the United States, singing it in German at the New York City Trinity Church. And in 1863, nearly 50 years after being first sung in German, Silent Night was translated into English by Jane Campbell and John Young. Eight years later, the English version made its way to print the Charles Hutchins Sunday School Hymnal. Today, the words Silent Night are sung around the world in more than 300 different languages. What an amazing story about this song that we sing that maybe we haven't thought too much about. Maybe we haven't paid too much attention to all the words, but how important they are. And the backdrop of it is important to us. So as I think about this story, I look at it from the perspective of this young assistant pastor that during this Christmas season, things wasn't going his way. <coughs> things weren't going according to his plan. Can you imagine being the associate pastor at St. Nicholas Church during Christmas? And you hadn't kept the, order, the organ in good order, and now it wasn't going to work at Christmas? Their whole church world and their culture, the organ, was the instrument of the day. And it seems like Christmas was going to be ruined because of the fact that the organ was not functioning. So I'm sure he was down in the Molly Grubs and thinking, this Christmas isn't what it's supposed to be because this isn't going according to my plan. And, 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 and why is this happening to me? And I'm sure the more we think about things, and we can apply this to our life, that maybe this Christmas is not going according to your plan. Maybe you had a different envision this year leading up towards Christmas time, and you was thinking, well, this Christmas I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that, and, and maybe things changed, things shifted in a way that you didn't know. And I'm saying that because in our community here, just a little bit east of here in Greenup County, there's people at AK Steel began the year not knowing that at the end of the year, two weeks before Christmas, that they would re receive a pink slip and a layoff slip. And I'm sure that causes many of their families to not have the Christmas they desired. To have an uncertain future. Some of these young guys that had got on and worked there that now they're in, working towards their career, working towards their retirement, working towards all these things and planning things, but then all of a sudden it sells out and now they don't have a job. And during the midst of those type of things, whenever things don't go according to plan, uh, our plan, we can become aggravated. Amen? We can become mean. We can become the Grinch. And we can think about it and feel like poor, poor, pitiful me and, and blame God and, and, and think that, why, God, are you allowing this to happen to me? And I'm sure this assistant pastor at St. Nicholas Church really wanted to have a nice Christmas play, and I'm sure they had already planned this and, and spent time with this and asking this group that was going to be coming through to stop by their church and present this performance. But you get there and the organ won't play. That wasn't what I had planned. And I can imagine him in his mind thinking through this and, and contemplating through this and just becoming so mad at everybody around him and at, at mad at God and mad at, why me? Why is this happening? This isn't what I wanted, God. 
But I love it in this story that it says that as he was there that night and, and they did meet in somebody's home and the Christmas play did go on and it, it did happen and as he was there and, and he was sitting through this play and sitting through this presentation by this traveling group of people giving this presentation of the birth of Jesus. As he's there, it says he become and he, he got into a meditative mood. A meditative mood. Look at your neighbor and say, you need a meditative mood. Because the one you got right now ain't very good. I mean, poker, Jason, tell her. You need to get into a meditative mood. Do some yoga or something. Amen. I've never done yoga. I can barely walk. I ain't going to be able to stand on my head or none of that stuff. I can't do it. If you can, go for it. This guy got in a meditative mood, and he was, he was leaving this service that evening, and it says that he took the long road home. He didn't take a straight shot for the house. He took the long road home. When you're in this meditative mood, sometimes you'll go places or do things that you wouldn't normally do. And it says that he took this long road home, and this long road that he took home took him up around the side of the hillside, and he ended up on top of this peak where that he looked down and he seen this Christmas card-looking scene of the town that God had given him to faithfully serve as assistant pastor. And wouldn't it be amazing for us that maybe whatever type of Christmas we're going into this Christmas season with, that we could go through this next week and, and begin to meditate and begin to look for things and ask God to reveal some things to us, no matter what our mood is, no matter what kind of Christmas it is, no matter how much money we got, no matter how many gifts are under the tree, no matter any of those things. What if we would get in a mindset to say, God, open my eyes to see the world the way you see it. He was probably angry that the organ wasn't working. He was probably convinced that, that, the, that the devil did it, that the devil come in and stopped up the pipes or whatever. And all these things rolling through his mind, he was so uh, uh, just angry and frustrated at what was going on that he couldn't really see the goodness that God had in his life. And I wonder how many of us that's in the business of the moment and going through life and, and rushing through this season has been just going from place to place and doing things and, and going to this service or that service and going to this town and doing that or this. And all of a sudden we're so busy that we are angry because it isn't going according to our plan. But God all the while is saying, won't you just stop for a moment and meditate and let me show you. Because things aren't always going to go according to our plan. The Bible says that God's plans and God's ways are above our ways. That his plans are not our plans. And sometimes things happen and sure there's some things that happen in our life. You can go back and think through even Job and all the old ones in the Old Testament that dealt with some issues in their life. But guess what? We learned two weeks ago to count it all joy when you fall into divers' temptations. Amen? That during the, the song, Joy to the World, and we've seen that, that there, we're to have joy in this life, even in the midst of tri tri tribulation and, and turmoil and all these things going on, we should have the joy of the Lord. So as the church, what are we going to do? What are we going to steward these things that God gives us? 
So if you go back in the Old Testament, the way I want us to see stewarding this, that, that God wants to give us this picture that where we can see how to have joy in our life and how to have the blessings of God in our life, how to take moments to, to get back to where we can think and meditate. In the Old Testament, there was a story of Joseph. You remember the story where the, that the Pharaoh had a dream? And when the Pharaoh had that dream, he, he called and all these different people tried to come in and give him the explanation of the dream, and none of them was right. And finally he got to where Joseph come in and give him the interpretation of the dream. And as he comes in, as Joseph comes in, he tells him, what the, there's fat, seven fat cows and seven skinny cows. I know which one of them I would be. <laughs> Amen. So Joseph tells him, there's going to be seven years of plenty, and then there's going to be seven years of drought. They're symbolic, and God is giving you a vision. God is giving you a, a future prediction of what's happening, Pharaoh. And here's what you need to do. During the seven years of plenty, you need to build barns, and you need to store up things, and you need to hold, hold all this grain that you're taking in and put it in these barns because there's going to be seven years of famine that you're going to need this stuff. You see, when you get in this meditative mode where that you think about things from God's perspective, you'll see things ahead of time, and God prepares you for the things that are coming. So Joseph tells him that, and Pharaoh says, a good idea, Joseph. Go ahead. Go build all the barns you want. Go and get all the grain that I, my people is going to be out there doing, my servants are going to be out there doing. Put it all in these barns, store it up, because the seven years will be coming. The seven years of famine. And you know the story where Joseph's brothers that sold him into slavery comes down and gets on their knees and begs for some grain. The Bible says that God will cause even your enemies to be at peace with you. Wouldn't it be amazing for the church to be in a season right now where we meditate and think about and think about the th goodness of God. And no matter what we're going through, I'm not saying your circumstances are not going to change in an instant. There were seven years of famine that happened on this earth that God allowed Joseph to be prepared for. There's bad things that's going to happen to good people. And you're going to go through some things in this life and you're going to endure some things during this life that don't seem fair. Don't get mad at God. Don't blame God for what's going on. It's because of the fall of mankind and the Adam and Eve's sin that brought sin in this world. It's not God's fault. It's our fault. Amen? Humanity was born into sin. Sin happens. And sin brings destruction. But guess what? God didn't leave it at that. If He would have left it in the Old Testament mode, it would be we're getting what we deserved. But God sent His Son, Jesus, to be born on that miraculous night, silent night. To be born of a virgin in a major so that you and I can receive salvation and get a new lease on life. And even though bad things happen to me, even though it's not the plan I had for my life, even though I, I endure some things and hard times come and, and trying time comes, guess what? With God, He can, he can cause you to even have a, a, a peaceful, easy feeling in the midst of those moments. That's what the gospel of Jesus is, that, that he, will, he will bring you to this real life. And He said in, in John 10.10, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I have come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Jesus can turn some things around if we get it from his perspective.
I'm not saying you're not going to endure things. You're going to endure some things. But guess what? Getting through them. Overcome them. This young pastor had to get a reset. And the only way that it happened was whenever he watched that church play. And it put him in a meditative mood. And what I want to do during this service today is to put us as a church, as a group, as a community of believers in a meditative mood. And I'm going to pray for us that we will go through this next week meditating on the things of God. That we will get a picture the way this young man got this picture. Because if he would have done things he always did, he would always got what he always got, right? If you want to receive something different from God, do something different than what you've been doing. The story says he took the long road home. What if he'd have just went home? What if he'd went through that week just like last week? He didn't do that. He went the long road home. And when he went the long road home, he got up on top of the hill and he looked down. And as he looked down, he got this glimpse of how beautiful this little city that God had given him a responsibility to be an assistant pastor. And in this picture, he got this thought hit his head. He's like, you know what? I wrote a poem a few years ago, and this kind of looks like a picture of that. Silent night, oh holy night, this snow-covered little community where St. Nicholas Church is. And he saw things the way God saw them. What if we would slow down and stop and meditate for a minute and get God's perspective for our life? What if we would get out of the hustle and bustle that Leslie prayed about in this season and step back just for a moment and have a, a deep breath? I, that's one thing this watch does. It tells me to breathe. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I'm so dumb I can't even breathe, I guess. It tells me stand up, I have stand up. Every now and then it'll pop up, breathe. I'm like, really? I thought I was breathing. Apparently I wasn't. It's keeping track of me. So I'll take a deep breath, and I did that yesterday. I was breathing. They just tell me how, how far to breathe in and when to exhale and inhale. And I was like, Lord of mercy, I ain't took a breath that deep in forever. It's crazy. Maybe it'll make me feel better. I don't know. What if we would meditate? What if we would think like God thinks? What if we would see like God sees? What if he would let us get this vision like this young pastor did? Mr. Moore, and he, what if he had this vision that he's seen and it changed his perspective? And the next day he walks in for a Christmas Eve service and him and his friend had sat down during that day and they'd his, he had already had the poem, he had the words, now his friend wrote the music. And they sat down and they played this song and people loved it. What if you could bring joy to somebody else's life this week just because you meditated and got in a frame of mind to cause a peace to be about you that whenever you walk around somebody, they're like, wow. Because they know what you're going through. We can't hide any of that stuff. Amen? How many's got some stuff you're dealing with? <laughs> There's things going on in your life that's a mess. It's, it's like, man, and it's just weighing you down. And it's like, man, I don't know how to deal with this. I don't even know how to get into Christmas spirit. And I don't know how to move. And I don't even feel like I can do anything right now. And all of a sudden, God says, just step back. Meditate. Take a deep breath. 
let me show you what I can do in the world around you. This young guy and his friend sits up and they sing this song, Silent Night. And it goes on to become one of the greatest songs of the Christmas season. And now over in, in 300, over 300 languages and millions of people sing Silent Night every year. And this young guy was going through some funk. And he didn't understand why. And it didn't make any sense. But he did what God gave him to do. And it's changed the world. I thank God for Christmas season. It gives us an opportunity to talk about Jesus where normally we don't have those opportunities. Amen? People will ask about Jesus during this season when they won't ask about Jesus all year long. It gives you opportunities to represent God's kingdom on this earth. How well are we doing with that? Won't we step back and meditate and say, God, open up my eyes, let me see what you see. And sure, we're in this little bitty town and we think it's God-forsaken place in Lewis County, why? God, just take me out of here. Put me somewhere else. Get me somewhere new. Get me away from all this mess. God said, no, I planted you right here. Don't run from your pain. Run to the God that can heal your pain. Come unto me, all you that are labored and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest for your souls. He promises us that. That is absolute scripture. He promises us rest for our souls. And we need it. Don't get so caught up in this world that we're entangled with it and ensnared with it. Joshua says, study this book of instruction continually. Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it. Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do. Meditation. Wow. Meditate on the word and look at it. And learn how to apply it. And he says he will make you prosper and succeed in all you do. Meditation will cure your pain, I promise you. Don't think on the problem. Think on the God that can solve the problem. Amen? This is for people in this room. This is for me. This is for you. This is for your neighbor. It's for all of us. Psalms 37 verse 7 says this, Be still in the presence of the Lord and wait patiently for him to act. Don't worry about evil people who prosper or fret about their wicked schemes. <laughs> you know what would, would tear the enemy up more than anything? You know what would just put the devil off on a, on a, on a rampage? That he, he, he don't even know how to act or don't even know what to do. It's whenever, you, whenever he puts all these storms in your life and it seems like the wheels are falling off your bus and everything's going on and, and it, you ought to be tore up and you ought to be distraught and you ought to be taken back and you ought to be enjoying Christmas and all of a sudden you just sit back and meditate and get in this Christmas spirit mood that Greg gets year around and you just step back and you smile and the enemy looks and says, why are they not tore up? Why are they not shaking? Why are they not falling apart? Why? Because God has strengthened me. God has encouraged me. And it'll, it'll dumbfound the enemy what you're able to get through. God can bring you through the problems you're dealing with. I promise you. Step back, meditate, take a breath, and do what it's saying here. Be still in the presence of the Lord. He don't say run and ask everybody you come up to the answer to your problems. He says be still. And I'm sure King David, when he's writing this, is dealing with some issues. He's got some things going on. 
There's wisdom in, in, in counselors. I believe in that. I believe in, in getting help. I believe in connection groups. I believe that you ought to have a, a prayer circle around you that you can call and say, the people you know them pray. And you can call and say, I'm dealing with this right now. Pray for me. During seasons of loss. One of the saints went home this week. Marjorie Rose, my she played the piano all my church life. She sat and played the piano, and she passed away this week. And I, I just preached, and she was in my message last week. I didn't know that that was her last Sunday on this planet. And her son and her daughter is down there, and they're doing a funeral today in Vanceburg, and I'm sure they're grieving, and it's a time of loss. This is Christmas time. But sometimes we just got to breathe. Just time... We need peace. When you sit back in silence, God is able to show you His wondrous works. You may just end up singing a tune that will bring awe to millions. What if you wrote a song? What if we would really open up our mind and say, God, you've given me gifts. Let me use them for your kingdom. And what if he gave Dusty a song this week to play that would go on to be one of the staples of Christmas for generations to come? This young man didn't know that. He was just trying to pastor, and he was just trying to get the organ to work. And all the while, God's saying, I got something for you to do. And the only way he could get the silent night story out of that young man was put him in a predicament where he got up on top of that hill in trouble, in turmoil, in times, and where he meditated. Use your gift for God. Amy, draw a picture. Greg, you're an artist too. Draw a picture. Do, do something with your gift that God has given you. Some people has got the gift of giving. Go be a blessing to somebody this week. Find somebody. There's plenty of people out there that has needs. There's, there's neighbors you have down the street that maybe is somebody elderly that don't have anybody to come home and see them during Christmas. Stop by their house, knock on the door, walk in, give them a big hug and tell them you love them and tell them Jesus does too. We can all do something. Let's step back and meditate and let God speak to us and show us what we're supposed to do. That's all I'm asking you. Let's practice what we preach. I think a moment of silence is in order for all of you this week. Sure, we can sit here right now and have a moment of silence. I think it's in order for you to do by yourself this week. A meditation moment. Step back and listen to God. Leslie, if you'll come. A few years ago, I got in year 2000, I was praying one time in my trailer, and God gave me this vision of, of Lewis County, and it was I've told this story multiple times, but there's probably people here that's never heard me say it, so bear with me if you've heard it before. <laughs> Hopefully it's not boring. But there was this uh, Lewis County, it was like a map laid on its, on its back, and it was a sea. It was waters. There was troubled waters. It was like a roaring sea. And in the middle of this sea, it, it, it's like it zoomed in, and I seen this from like up, up above it, and there was this big aircraft carrier-looking thing. It was a big boat out in the middle of this troubled sea. And it had 
God's glory wrote on the, on the flag of the mask up at the top of it. And there was always people standing around the edges of this boat. And, and they had these life preservers. And these life preservers had on it Soul Survivor. And, and God had people on that boat. And those people on the boat were taking those life preservers and throwing it out and dragging people. Because the sea was full of people that were drowning in sin. And they showed me how that, that was a picture of sin, of people dry, dying and drowning in sin and pain and sorrow and hurt. The people of Lewis County, that's what we're living in. And there's this big boat, though, and he, he had it in his soul survivor, and we'd take and throw these out, and we'd pull people in, and we'd get them up on the boat with us. And, and the more people we got on the boat, the more people it was with life preservers throwing it out and saving that many more. That's what God's church is. He didn't save you to come in and sit down on the boat and not go to the edge and say there's somebody else out there that's dying and going to go to the devil's hell if somebody don't throw a preserver to them. He's gifted you to stand on that edge and say if it wasn't for the grace of God, I'd still be drowning in those waters and I don't want my neighbor to die and go to the devil's hell because I didn't help them. And this vision, it become so clear to me. And I went to Greg, my friend at that time. And, and, I, and in 2000, I went to talk to Greg. I said, I've got to have a, this picture. And he, he drew it for me. And I've got it. He, it's a piece of art that he drew for me. I can't draw anything. I can't draw a stick man. And he drew this picture for me. And I still got it. Of this vision that I had. And just a few months later, I didn't know it. But God would call me to preach. And then I ended up the youth pastor at Bethesda Church in Lewis County where I didn't want to come back to. The reason I went to Raceland Church was so I could leave this God-forsaken place. And God said, that ain't where you're going. I'm going there to prepare you to go back to where you came from. And I was a youth pastor and I, I went in the youth group and I was thinking, what can we call our youth group? And that's what I called our youth group was Soul Survivors. It was the name of the youth group. And, and next thing you know, I went out and I, Sister Gartha helped me and, and we called teenagers and she started calling people she knew. And, and there's about six or seven teens come. That first, my first sermon, the third sermon I ever preached in my life, the first one at Bethesda was to a youth group. There's this young man there that had dealt with some pain in his life. His name's Billy Howe. I don't know if anybody knows Billy Howe from Garrison. Six foot ten, big giant guy. Almost intimidating to be his youth pastor. And I remember the first sermon, he's sitting there, and, and next thing you know, I said, we're going to pray, and if you want to pray, I want you to come up. And, and he, him and his spouse come up, and they stood at an altar, and it was down at the Bansburg campus, and it was right here. And I stayed on the step, and I still had to reach up to reach his head. And I prayed over him, and I began to pray. And as I did, he began to break. And tears fell like rain from his face. Dusty hitting that floor. It's not fair that he lost his dad when he was a kid. It's not fair. What you're going through is not fair. But let God in it. Please, for the love of God, let him in it. And as he stood there crying, God wrecked his world. He's pastoring in North Carolina today. That moment of salvation for Billy Howe at that altar that day, whenever it was my first sermon, it didn't even make sense to me, but God said, you're saving souls. Everybody, he's won to Jesus down in North Carolina. 
was because somebody believed God and trusted God and did something they thought they couldn't do at a little church called Bethesda in the hills of eastern Kentucky. Use what God's given you to use and watch what he'll do. You don't have to be fair. Just let him do it. Won't you stand? But in saying that, Soul Survivors, I started watching a TV show and there was a, a program on, on TV that came on TVN and it was called Soul Survivors. It was immediately after I had this vision, I had all this stuff to happen to me, and then the next thing you know, it's on TV and there's this group in England that's got this church that they called Soul Survivors and thousands and thousands of teenagers come to Jesus at this. And I, I begin to look around and think, well, my youth group's got seven people on it and now there's this church over here called Soul Survivors. They stole my name. Thousands of teenagers. You can look it up on, on YouTube. There's all kinds of stuff out there about soul survivors in England. and It's amazing what God did. And there's, there's these big rallies that they would have. Sometimes 20,000 teenagers in England. It was a revival happened. And thousands came to Jesus because somebody had that name and said soul survivors. And these people came. But there was this young man that came and he ended up being the music pastor, the worship pastor at that church. And one time the pastor told him, said, I'm tired of all this. It's not about lights. It's not about in themes. It's not about a church building. It's not about anything we're doing. It's all about worshiping God and loving God. And he told the youth pastor, he said, we're shutting it all down. You're not playing guitars? Shut the drums off? We're not doing it that way. So he wrote a song that worship pastor wrote this song and I want Leslie to sing it, if you will. And I just want you to close your eyes for a minute. Let's just meditate.
Cause it's all about you, Jesus. Bow your head and close your eyes if you will, everybody here. Nobody looking around. How many here would say, Pastor, this was for me. I need a break from this American Christmas where it's all about gifts and all about this hustle. It's all about the running to and fro and I just need a break and I need to step back and I need to experience God and I want Him to show Himself to me this week. And I'm ready to meditate. Is that you? I just want you to lift your hand and say, I need a, I need a touch from God. Amen. Thank you for those hands. Anybody else? Amen. I need to experience Him this week. Father, I thank you for this day. God, I thank you for this song, Silent Night. And God, I thank you for this song coming back to the heart of worship. And God, I pray today for the people of Bethesda. God, that we could experience you in greater ways than we ever have. And Lord, just give us an opportunity to step back. Give us a moment to breathe. Give us a moment just to contemplate what you're doing in our life. And God, let people hear experience you in greater ways than they ever have give them a moment of freedom a moment of solitude that they could see from your perspective just as this young associate pastor at St. Nicholas did so many years ago use us for your kingdom let us be your representative during this season of Christmas let us be a blessing in Jesus' name I pray.